And now, your go-to source for year-round fantasy hockey advice, DFS, and betting coverage. This is NHL Fantasy on Ice, presented by Skip, the official food delivery app of the NHL. It's September, and that only means one thing. Your fantasy hockey draft is just around the corner, brought to you by our good friends over at Skip. Hello and welcome to another edition of NHL Fantasy on Ice, Mock Draft 1.0 edition. Nick Alberga, Pete Jensen, Anna Dua, and guests Chris Meany of the FTN Network with you. Pete and Anna, let's set the table for how things worked out. It was a long and grueling draft, Pete, but a 12-team draft here. Yeah, but I think it's important food for thought, and of course, Skip, the official food delivery app of the NHL, uh, for any fantasy owner out there or manager, whether you're managing with a, another team, another friend, or in the midst of a 12 or 14 team league, Anna, like this is the first chance to put it all together here and see where some of these offseason movers went in our draft and which guys we reached for. Those are our must have players, right? They are. And even early on in this draft, I feel like that's when we could sense each other disagreeing with some of these picks. And it was kind of interesting. As soon as we got into round two, we kind of diversified the types of players we started drafting. And there's a lot of fun stuff this year. I like this year more than last year. I'll say that. It was a lot of fun. Uh, So we're going to break it all down. 18 players, three skaters, two left wings, two rights, 4D, two goalies, one utility skater, and a bunch of uh, four different bench spots as we bring in Chris Meany. Chris, what did you learn about doing this mock draft 1.0 here? Uh, Thanks, guys, for having me. learned a lot uh, that, you know, rookies are going to go a little bit earlier than maybe you would think, Um, especially, you know, some blue liners on some up-and-coming teams like the Devils and and the Buffalo Sabres. We saw some some guys go a little bit earlier than I thought. Connor Bernard in the, the third round. Uh, I don't want to call him a reach, but certainly um, some players behind him that I think will have better seasons than Connor Bernard. Uh, and really just defenses. I think, you know, as we get going here into the show, I think it's very important to know your, your scoring system, understand your settings. And uh, I think, you know, that's very important. It may seem like just obvious, um, but... A guy like Quinn Hughes, we'll get into later, I think was a good pick. A guy that was second among defensemen in points. But depending on your format, high stakes leagues, points like leagues that allow or give points for, you know, shots and blocks and hits, you know, he didn't even really finish as a, as a top 20 defenseman. So I think it's just very important to understand your scoring set of, settings and, and your system when you when you do some of these mocks. But yeah, mock traps are great, man. You, you get a good feel of of, uh, you know, where players are going to go and what kind of teams you can construct. Nick, I know the kids are going back to school, but setting Meany up by saying, what did you learn from this mock draft is absolutely killing me. Looks like we're back in session, folks. But I got a question for you to kick us off. You're the first person who did something out of pocket, not necessarily extremely out of pocket, but a little bit by taking Austin Matthews fourth overall. Pete and I had him barely rounding out our top 10. So you got to explain yourself there. It's uh, pretty simple. So every draft order and rankings are subjective to a person, how they feel. They're all relative. And last time I checked, Austin Matthews has two heart trophy, or one heart trophy and two rocker Richards in the last three seasons. He's the best goal scorer for my money in the NHL. I don't care what McDavid did. I don't care what Pasternak did. It was pretty simple. But Pete, along those lines, again, that's a really good question. And I'm happy you brought it up because I think past three guys, there's like four, five, six, or seven different players I'd feel comfortable taking. Yesterday, I felt comfortable taking Austin Matthews. The next day, it could be Jason Robertson, Pete. Right, and one day, it could be Jack Hughes, who I took a couple of spots later. I reached for him a little bit. 
But again, I think his ceiling is up there with uh, Bedard in keeper leagues, with McDavid here and now, maybe a little bit lower just because nobody can touch McDavid. But he might be number two in terms of point ceiling, um, if we're being honest here, with the trajectory and the loaded top six of the Devils. And just going to things that I learned in this draft, like yeah. goalie tandems may be a thing of the past. And also, I was heavy on defensemen. When you look at eight defensemen, Chris, of 70-plus points last year, including a 100-point guy in Eric Carlson, like that was those were two things that really caught my eye here. Defensemen really caught my eye in drafts, too. I mean, the the whole Sergachev versus Victor Hedman. Like, Hedman was a guy that finished behind Sergachev last year, and you really saw a career season from Sergachev. I mean, he touched her highs across the board. Points, ice time. He averaged more than a minute per game on the power play. He was obviously because he was out there, he's blocking more shots. And it was just the opposite for Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman, who did go ahead of Sergachev in this draft, I think roughly defenseman nine and Sergachev's around 10 or 11, just a couple spots after him. It was the opposite. Hedman had a down year. I mean, he there's the fewest ice time in terms of on the power play that he's had since 2014. Does that does he get back into getting power play one or is this you know, was last year, the change of the guard. And I think Carlson too, like I'm fine with him being the fourth defenseman off the board, but are we falling into the trap? Remember when Carlson went to San Jose and Brent Burns was there mm-hmm. and these guys just cut into each other. Is that going to be very similar with Latang and Carlson is, are these guys both going to be on power play one? And if that's the case, I mean, Carlson's on a better squad, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to replicate, like be able to do what he did where, the last time we saw a hundred point defenseman was Brian Leach. So I feel like that was kind of an outlier season from him, even though I do believe he has upside to be the first defenseman, but defenseman was a huge takeaway in this draft for me. Yeah, that's fair. And we're going to talk about that. And unlike most kids, Anna, I was ready. I was prepared. I did homework in the off season. Like that's what I do. Right. So a couple of things I noticed and learned, I think it's important to stress that because a lot of people are doing their fantasy drafts in the next couple of weeks. It's a young man's game. First and foremost, you talk about the rookie crop, I'm so excited for the likes of Bedard and Devin Levi and even like a, a Matthew Nyes and guys like that. Like that's going to be the ex- exciting part of fantasy drafts, like where some of these guys are taken. I also noticed like along those lines, some of the vets are really, really starting to slip, right? Like your Panarins, your Ovechkins, your Marshawns of the world. And on top of that, Meany, it was actually a note that you wrote in the draft log. Where are all the right wingers? Like, we have to have that conversation, pick up the phone, our good friends over at Yahoo, draft starting, and make sure you utilize Yahoo. But, like, the position eligibility, Chris, really took me for a loop in this draft. Like, last time I checked, I guess Carter Verhage's now a center. Yeah, and Adrian Kepe as well. Uh, All last year, he was listed as a center until they got going midway through the year. I'm sure Yahoo's going to do this. They're they're always on top of these things. You know, it's it's across all sports. You get an X amount of games, you know, probably 10, roughly 10 to 15. We'll start to see some of these guys move over. And it it is when you even when I was putting together some of my teams like, wow, I have like a lot of centers and not a lot mm-hmm. of wingers. But I think once we get going, Kempe, who has never played center over the past couple of years, he's always been on the wing. You know, there was, I think, a moment last year where he's a third line center for a, a month or so. But this is a winger. And it's very valuable to have that, you know, maybe dual eligibility left and right or get in a little center. So, yeah, that's something that we'll see, I think, change. I mean, Verhage and you guys mentioned Ovechkin. I know you guys have been drafting for years. This is as far as I have ever seen him fall here at pick 27 into the third round. You know, when he's healthy, he's still 
a top five goal scorer in the league. And I fully believe that, but it's, it's a decent little value pick there in the third. And when you look at the youth movement, right guys, I mean, look at some of the names, um, not that they're unproven, but I guess you're looking at upside and ceiling and maybe more of a floor of Ovechkin because the Capitals are on a downward trend. They will have a new coach this year. So maybe that gives them a new wrinkle, but Rupe hints went ahead of them after his strong postseason. Nick, right. Maybe some recency bias there, as you like to coin that phrase. Uh, Elias Pettersson off a hundred point season. You can't go wrong there, but also Tim Stutzla at 25 and Eric Carlson, both ahead of Ovi. I still think the the floor is high enough for Ovi. And again, the guy that got him was actually the girl was Anna, um, right? That was your, uh, right. Your uh, stomping grounds back in the day. And I think you still trust Ovi right now. I was waiting for someone to bring up who drafted him. <laughs> All of these compliments about how it was such a great value pick. Oh my God, I can't believe someone got Ovi at the beginning of round three. No one's giving me any credit for being the person who picked him up. But yeah, I was really happy with that. I was surprised he lasted that long. I'm not going to lie. I'm fine with Chris drafting a guy like Tim Stutzla above Ovi because I like the trajectory of the Ottawa Senators. And I think he's a player that's so extremely underrated. You're going to hear me say this all season until he gets the respect he deserves. The kid's a star, but right after him taking Ovechkin, I was very happy with that because Pete's right. His floor is amazing. The guy's a point per game player, regardless of who he plays with. It's a one man show. It's the Alex Ovechkin show. It's going to be the Alex Ovechkin show. He's running after his own individual milestones right now. I'm very, very happy with that pickup. Might be my like draft steal in this mock draft. I don't know. You you were really, really high on Cole Caulfield, test too. You said it was a steal of the draft of like 75, whereas exactly where he's ranked. But nonetheless, like 37-year-old Alex Ovechkin, we're still talking about him. The guy just still scores. He played, what, 73 games last year, 42 goals, 75 points. This stems actually, Anna, from a question via Instagram. Crosby or Ovechkin? I, I think it's a fascinating question, even in 2023, even in fantasy hockey, Anna. Just more so because Chris just talked about depth up the middle I'm almost more inclined to go with the winger in the in this scenario how about you Anna it's a toss-up because I like the team that Sidney Crosby's on far more than I like the Washington Capitals right now and he's a star player as well in his own right these two guys are just not falling off the wagon regardless of the environment they play again and I like Sidney Crosby slightly more just because of the team but what I did on my team three is I drafted Ovechkin and then I also drafted Evgeny Kuznetsov. So kind of like combining those two guys, I got Kuzi pretty late in this draft. I get a lot of double production if he's playing on the same line as Ovechkin. So kind of pairing him up with some of these other guys in Washington, I really like that pickup for myself because a lot of the other guys on that team just fell down. No one was touching Washington with a 10-foot pole in this draft other than Ovechkin. So I like that little combination I crafted, but just one for one. I might lean Sidney Crosby still over Ovechkin, but it's a toss-up. Anna, you mentioned Kuznetsov. He's been in the trade rumblings the past year or so, especially heating up this offseason. How do you guys, I guess, start with Nick? How do you yeah. uh, approach these types of players? I didn't hesitate to draft Connor Hellebuck around 50 overall because I know that he's going to be the workhorse goalie wherever he plays and when, whether it's at the deadline or something before the start of the season, if he's traded away from winnipeg uh in his contract year like we expect at some point you know there's him there's shifley elias lindholm as well uh you know especially with the guys retiring in boston like you you just get that sense that maybe there could still be uh some movement in the arms race in the eastern conference 
Anna, what's the favorite thing I like to talk about in fantasy hockey? You have to know this answer. Starts with a C. Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) We should make a song about it. But no, like Shifley, Hellebuck, Lindholm, those types, Pete. Like I'm inclined to go right right in on them. Like if nobody else wants to take them, I know Kuznetsov is a bit of a different story. Still has some contract left. Uh, I think there's just so much value, like in general, on teams that nobody wants to touch. Like you even look at Washington, we mentioned it. Like even Darcy Kemper is a pick. I got relatively late, you know, past the top 100, we'll say, of our draft. Like I don't think Washington's going to fall off the deep end, Chris, but like I do think they're sort of in that bubble with other teams in the Metro and the Eastern Conference where it's like every game they're going to be fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, a new regime behind the bench, so maybe that motivates some of those guys. I mean, I watched uh, Kuznetsov firsthand in Washington this year, and it was a guy that wasn't even top 10 in terms of most impressive players on the squad, and they played the Blues, and they were lacking talent at that time, too. I just didn't see uh, a drive from him, motivation. I just typically cross these guys off my list that don't shoot the puck. You know, and again, I'll just go Drop back props. to, <laughs> sure, uh, that's a big part of it, but I'll just go back to your scoring settings. You know, goal yeah. scorers are hard to come by. I agree with the Matthews fourth overall pick, by the way. I'm just happy that this time, you know, last season, there was a debate between McDavid and Matthews at number one. And like that, that's crazy to even think about. There's no debate at all this year, but there is something to be said about volume shooters. Again, I'll just reference high stakes leagues, underdog fantasy. You are getting points for shots. You're getting more points for goals. If you're just playing in a head to head setting with your buddies where it's just, you know, a goal is a goal and assistance assist. It's just a point is a point, right? Like I would lean Crosby in that setting. But what Anna was talking about with Ovechkin, it's a volume shooter. So I have no problem like leaning towards him setting depending. But Kuznetsov, I just maybe there's a bounce back, but what's the ceiling here for this guy? Like 20 goals. I'm just not interested. I mean, I do think the ceiling's a little bit higher than 20 goals for, for Kuzi, but I, I understand there's Strom in the mix. There's a healthy Backstrom in the mix, right? It's just not um, the best case scenario, like a couple of years ago. And speaking of volume shooters, when you look at the top 15 in shots on goal from last season, Brady Kachuk, number four with 347. I mean, that is a case right there in addition to the hits coverage that not only is Brady Kachuk a better fantasy option than Ovechkin these days, you can make a case for him as high as top five overall in uh, keeper formats and even standard ones if you think Ottawa is going to make the leap this year, Anna. Who drafted Brady Kachuk, Pete? I love this show. This is my favorite episode of Fantasy on Ice so far. This is like the Anna did well at this draft episode because I took Brady Kachuk at 11th. And I was just about to say, he's one of those players too on this rising Ottawa team that really stood out to me. And this year more than ever, I targeted players based off of the team they were on. So the Ottawa Senators, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, I was all over those teams. I actually struggled to find a lot of guys in the Western Conference that I liked after the Edmonton players got taken. And I want to touch on that as well, because how many Edmonton players got drafted so high in this draft? Are we being a little bit too bullish on the Edmonton Oilers, guys? Six in the first 55 picks here, Pete. And I I, I, th- I think it's fair. Like, I, I think when you look at teams to beat in this league, the Edmonton Oilers are, what, top two, top three, if not the team to beat. I think on paper you have the top two yep. fantasy picks. But the depth is a big story for me, Pete. Right. And to me, the big question in the middle rounds when it was like fourth or fifth round is do you take maybe the safe plays like Hyman, who was top 15 in shots on goal and had a career year across the board, Evander Kane, always great category coverage there. Or do you go with 
I think the expected breakout season full fledged from Evan Bouchard. And that's what I opted to do. I feel like Evan Bouchard could lead the entire defenseman landscape and power play points very easily with something like 45, 50, right? Nugent Hopkins was up there last year as well. He deserves to be in that conversation after a hundred point season, but uh, I would lean towards Bouchard just because of defenseman scarcity. And I feel like he's really going to explode here uh, being on power play one. Hard to argue uh, with any of those Oilers weapons and what we saw from Bouchard. I mean, you can call it recency bias all you want, but he had an opportunity. The second that they moved on from Tyson Berry, he took over that power play and it's, you know, it's a historic power play. I expect, you know, I, it's hard to imagine them not, operating at over 25% again, even what they just did last season. And to think that McDavid and dry settle are just still like in the beginning of their prime. I like Evander Kane. He touches a lot of categories. So does Hyman. Hyman throws his body around. He gets in front of the net, whether he's on PP one, sometimes PP two, it doesn't matter because McDavid and dry settle and Bouchard for the most part are going to stay on that power play for a majority of those two minutes. So I, I, we were doing a lot of stacking. We were making notes as we were doing this. I didn't get Bouchard with um, McDavid and Hyman, but I did get Nurse, who covers a lot of categories as well. Could see some PPP uh, like on the second unit. Could see some time in that second unit, and that's all going to correlate as well. So, I mean, the Oilers, all, they're going to be the highest-scoring team again in the league, I believe. We're talking a lot about production, but I have a fan question brought to us by our friends at Skip. I want to talk about the goalies, guys. We've sprinkled them in a little bit. We talked about Hellebuck and Kemper, just a little hint, but I took the first goalie in this draft in Elias Sorokin at 14th at the beginning of round two. The question was, which round should I draft a goalie? For us, it was round two. I want to know, when were you guys thinking about drafting your first goalie? Did it change when I took Sorokin? I'll actually start with Meany because he took a goalie right after me with his next pick. I was hoping to get Sorokin there at 16. and You took Sorokin at 14, so I went for Igor Shosturkin there, who I do believe the same tier. I would rank him Sorokin, Shosturkin, Vasilevsky. I actually like the order. Ottinger and yeah. Georgiev in there. I think that's that's the exact same order I have. After those first 15, 14 forwards come off the board, I think Tage Thompson, right? Tage Thompson just went before you. I don't know if you were thinking, Tage, you were thinking to, to take a goalie there, but it's it's very important to have some stability in net and to have one of those top five goalies linked to good teams, workhorse goalies, proven goalies at this point, you're going to have the edge on a lot of your opponents. So I, I would answer that question early second, you know, mid second, looking at one of those top five guys. So for me personally, um, I, I like taking a wait and see approach and that's sort of going to be my strategy this year in fantasy drafts when it comes to goaltenders. It, it's just way too volatile of a position. Like we had this conversation a year ago and we put our necks out and said, Shesterkin, Vasilevsky were surefire first rounders and they blew up in our face. Like, let's be honest about it. I, I just think the position has become so volatile that I can't use one of my top picks to get a bona fide stud on a goalie that might not work out for me, Pete. I don't know if you feel the same way. And I understand you have to sort of gauge that goalie run, and it happened quite early. Is Sorokin at 14 all the way to Georgiev at 31, five were off the board. But I tend to take a wait-and-see approach because I think at bits and pieces throughout the season, I think you can find value even on the waiver wire when it comes to the crease. Right, and it's really the most important question that any fan could ask, mm -hmm. right, when to take a goalie because, like, if you strike out on your goaltenders, you're probably not making the fantasy playoffs and you're going to have a miserable season in the process. <laughs> so uh, you really want to make sure you sure up that back end. And I did so um, at 
uh, where is it? 23, Jake Ottinger. I was comfortable with that late second, early third round for Ottinger, just because I think he has a great chance at 40 wins. He's the clear guy in Dallas. Dallas is a cup contender in my book, top five uh, in the league, if I were to name that list. And then, uh, you know, when you get a little deeper, I didn't really like probably maybe not my worst pick of the draft, but I guess I got him good value based on ADP. Linus Olmark, 25 ADP. I got him at 39. I still don't love the pick because I like Jeremy Swayman a little bit more short and long term. So, and that was another theme of this draft, right? Like, where are you picking these Boston Bruins guys yeah. after the retirements of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and a little bit lower than they were last year. And in some cases, very low, like Jake DeBrusque and, and Olmark, they went a lot lower here. So quick follow-up, we each had three teams each in this first mock draft. And in two out of my three teams, I drafted three goalies. So heading into this season, how comfortable do you feel with two goalies? Or given how volatile this position is, as Nick said, do you feel like you need three goalies this season now more than ever? Nick, I'll start with you. I need five. Like if you have two goalies on your fantasy roster, you ain't winning squat. Like it, it just, again, I, I'm so turned off by goaltending and fantasy hockey because it's so volatile. Like I say this on Twitter, like three times a week, we need a goaltending summit. We need to figure out what's going on in this league. Cause back in the day when I played fantasy hockey, I took Marty Berdur like sixth overall, like five years in a row. And I felt great about life. Now when I even taken Vassy or, or Shesty or something like that, I don't feel great, which is, bizarre because you know they're going to play a lot I just don't know if they're going to play well I don't know if they're going to get injured so I I think the safe number Pete and Chris maybe you agree is around three goalies yeah I think it's important to have three I I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit just because I know it didn't work out last year with you know Shesterkin and Veseleski but that's why I feel like it's so important because after those first five like and Pete, there's nothing against you, but I would not be taking Allmark in what could be a timeshare 60-40 that early. Like, I think right. that's why it's important to get a top five, as you alluded to earlier, with Ottinger. We know he's the man. Dallas is good. He's probably going to flirt with 40 wins. Like, that's a goalie where there's a massive drop-off, and it, it really is about ice time. I think we can all agree they're a little bit voodoo, right? I mean, you don't know what you're getting with some of these goalies uh, night in and night out. We saw Minnesota just go goalie they just went back and forth all year long yeah. like that could be frustrating there's a couple tandems that you can i tried that in one of the teams i rolled with both minnesota goalies I ended up taking a third waited it out a little bit on one team with you know some questionable like tristan jari Stuart skinner you know what jari are we going to get this year are we going to see jack campbell the guy that they paid all that money to is he going to cut in and, and get made flirt with maybe 40 percent of the start so i think if you I would personally like to get a top five goalie and then wait it out as long as I can take some flyers on a second and a third to, to your point, Nick. But if you are, if you're going to miss that first five, then why not just wait? Why not just wait, yeah. pick some guys, some high upside, and then leave your draft, like Anna said, with three goalies. And I, I think you can just kind of play the matchups. And when you look at these tandems out there, like I'm not sure I would invest in the Bruins tandem or the Wild tandem, even though those are probably the two best tandems in the entire NHL. And you can't convince me otherwise. It's just because the landscape has changed. And I found myself targeting the surefire starters, the Ilya Samsonov at 82 for a potential president's trophy contender in the Maple Leafs. Sign me up every day. I know he has injury concerns, but I feel like the ceiling individually for Samsonov is higher than it's ever been 
before. And then I saw Nick uh, reach for Thatcher Demko uh, at 84. Uh, that's just based on NHL.com rank 144. But hey, he's the clear starter there. And I also reached for Devin Levi, who should be the guy in Buffalo. And I feel myself, Nick, uh, stacking a lot of sabers in this draft at different I points in the draft. <laughs> Pete, I have a follow-up question for you because you mentioned how confident you were taking Samsonov, but your pick before that, you took Devin Levi over him, another goalie. So walk me through it. How do you feel more comfortable with an unproven rookie, the second rookie off the board in this draft, than a guy playing behind this solid Maple Leafs team this year? Yeah, it's uh, that's a good question. I think you could say that Samsonov is a little bit safer than Levi, but um, I just kind of want to get a piece of the Sabres, uh, whether it's like one team I did stacking Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin. I reached for Dahlin, by the way. Uh, one team pretty late, I got like Skinner and Dylan Cousins. Those guys plummeted for some reason, even though they're on power play one for one of the best power plays in the league. And then for Levi, like the guy led the NCAA and save percentage each of the past two seasons, and he was five and two down the stretch. Buffalo probably would have made the playoffs, Chris, if the season was another week or two longer. And this is a different feel for the Sabres team, like keeper and dynasty leagues. Nobody is more loaded than the Buffalo Sabres. Agree? Yeah, no, I do agree, Pete. I think that this Sabres team is loaded offensively. We're, we're all waiting for them to take that next step. And I do believe that this will be the year. And I think they, they just couldn't take that step last year because they didn't have the stability uh, between the pipes. And I think that Levi will bring that. I thought Samsonov was actually a, a pretty good value, you know, going after the two Bruins goalies. Um, I like Soros, maybe going after Gustafson. I thought he was a pretty good value. I like that pick. First thing, deep sleeper Joseph Wall, who's the backup for Ilya Samsonov, was one year remaining on his contract. Watch out for that name this year. And number two, at some point in time, we have to have an intervention on this podcast, Pete. What have we learned about Carter Hart, Connor Hellebuck, Jake Ottinger, Spencer Knight? I can keep going. It's a turbulent process until you're like 25 or 26 for young goalies. That's why I just can't reach on a, on a Devin Levi. Like, I know the accolades. I know what he did in the NCAA to me, I'm sorry, Pete, it's still the Buffalo Sabres. I know we can have this conversation in two weeks, a month, three months, four months, and I'll entertain it. But I think an intervention is coming, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see Spencer Knight back in the mix here, of course, was not yeah. uh, playing for the Panthers during their uh, miracle run as the eighth seed to the cup final. But I drafted Bobrovsky around top 100 all overall, and I kind of forgot uh, because I don't have full trust in Florida as a team to make the playoffs, I would say. I kind of forgot to handcuff him with Spencer Knight, but I would take a look at that if you do invest in Bobrovsky. And then one other tandem, don't forget about the Stanley Cup champs, right? The fortress is still strong out in the desert, and you could get Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, Nick, super late if you want to get a tandem as like your second and third goalies. That's one of the only tandems I would touch. Yeah, in general, I found Vegas Golden Knights for some reason or another, like even Shea Theodore, I got like 130. I think people are just like sleeping on the team that won the Stanley Cup. But I wanted to get back to a conversation, guys, that we sort of touched on earlier on. But the Boston Bruins in general are such a polarizing team in fantasy hockey this season. My hottest take last offseason, unfortunately, was that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to miss the Stanley Cup playoffs. We all know how that worked out. My hottest take this year in fantasy hockey David Pasternak is not a top 10 fantasy player. I'm sorry to say it. He had 61 goals, 113 points last season. My biggest reasoning, Anna, and you can piggyback off this, no Bergeron, no Krejci. That is a lot of faith in Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle. How do you feel about that situation? 
I was wary of him because after I was seeing all these guys being taken off the board, I was debating on who I wanted next for my first round pick for one of my teams. And David Pasternak is a player I've been really high on in the past. And I wasn't too upset when he was taken off the board. I'm happy with getting Kaprizov after Pasternak because I like his individual upside more on Minnesota. I think he's a really talented goal scorer and that's what we usually expect from David Pasternak, but I'm right there with you, Nick. However, Pete got Pavel Zaka relatively late. Like he got him in yeah. round 12. Now, I think that's a great pickup because you mm -hmm. get all of the exposure of Pasternak for a guy you picked up 143rd in this draft. So I will applaud Pete for getting Zaka at that level but Pasternak I'm right there with you after Pasternak uh, Nick and and Chris right I mean like you look at um, all these point shares right you don't know how Marshan's gonna be without mm -hmm. Bergeron longtime sidekick where is he gonna be playing is he gonna be on a separate line from Pasternak I could see that I took McAvoy at one point I like him a lot I've loved him through the years but Lindholm is there coming off a career year so there's going to be a point share there and who's on power play one and then the goalie tandem uh so yeah it's kind of like you want to try to pick those spots and like pluck like DeBrusque really late in your draft or maybe the number one center in Zaka or uh maybe someone else I don't know if Charlie Coyle is going to be fantasy relevant he didn't go in this mock draft but you might be looking at him being the number two center on this team scary enough uh, yeah, I'll jump in here. I mean, I had took pasta at five, so um, I'll, <laughs> I'll jump in. I, I was debating between him and Hughes, but I, I don't think I think he's gonna be fine. Like, I think the Bruins are in trouble, but pasta's gonna be fine. I mean, he led the NHL over 400 shots, he had 60 mm -hmm. goals. He didn't play with Bergeron, he didn't play with Marshall. Yeah, they played together in the power play. The power play is gonna take the biggest hit, I do believe. When you have a guy like David Krejci distributing the puck and you got Bergeron. Um, the power play will probably take the biggest hit overall. But again, volume shooter, goal scorer, he's going to be leaned on heavily this year. He's going to probably be among the leaders in terms of forwards at the ice, at just ice time overall. I would expect him to be top three or four behind like McDavid and Drysaddle and Matthews. He's going to garner a, a lot of ice time this year. So I wasn't really too concerned. Volume is, is king. But good point on Coyle and Zaka. Like these guys are free. Marshan for me is a bit of a fade. I don't know if it was because he came back from the injury, but last year when he was back and he was healthy down the stretch of the season, I had him on a couple rosters and I was considering dropping him. Like he didn't, he wasn't doing enough for me at that moment. So I'm out on Marshan. I'm in on the value with Coyle and Zaka, but this is a team that lost a lot of players and Pete, you nailed it. Hampus Lindholm, Again, I'll go back to I sound like a broken record here, but Charlie McAvoy was defenseman 34 in high stakes leagues. Riley, 37. Hughes, 33. Fox, 31. You got to know your settings. Hampus Lindholm was actually a better player in high stakes leagues than Charlie McAvoy. He got a lot of that power play time. It's kind of like Tampa. Is it going to go back to McAvoy? You know, how how is that? Deep? Maybe both of those guys are on that first unit. It's something we could see this year. This screams Devon Taves to me, Pete. Devon Taves a couple of years ago is outstanding. Then where was he last season? Like Hampus Lindholm hasn't done this his entire career. And now we're all bullish on Hampus Lindholm. Like he's a guy I'm fading. I'll be honest about it, Pete. I don't know if you feel differently about that situation. Well, Devon Taves took a big step back, but was still one of the, what, upper echelon like top 20 defenseman yeah. or so and but he wasn't the so, same guy yeah no agreed but um and that's probably because like the avalanche are loaded and we saw big strides yeah. from bowen byram and sam gerard is still there like the avalanche pound for pound anna still have probably the deepest fantasy relevant defense their top four is ridiculous but yeah devon taves uh i got him 
uh, in the middle rounds, right? Right around like yeah. top 100 overall, 95th. Um, and four of my eight picks on that team were defensemen. I took EK65, McAvoy, Cider, who's a huge um, ceiling and floor in high stakes leagues, right, Chris? And then Devon Taves. Yeah. Like, I'll go to bat with those four guys every day of the week at that position. So I took Campus Lindholm, so I'm just going to insert myself here. I'm really comfortable with where I took him at in this draft at the end of round nine. Nick took a defenseman after me. He took Jacob Chikrin for one of his teams at the beginning of round 10. And if I'm debating between those two guys with Chikrin's injury history and the fact that this guy yeah. just can't stay healthy, I'm pretty happy with where I got Lindholm. I think that's just like the perfect value for him in this draft. Not a player I'm reaching for, but also not a player I'm fading. Talking about where we drafted some of these guys, though, something that stood out for me that I need to ask everyone. So you is, learn stuff. That's good. I learned something. I there did learn something. We're talking about deep teams and teams we drafted a lot of players from. We mentioned Jack Hughes. We've not talked enough about the New Jersey Devils so far on this podcast episode. And I was watching, waiting, seeing how far Jesper Bratt fell in this draft. And I want to ask everyone to explain themselves because I eventually drafted him. 131 in round 11 in our rankings he's 69 everyone's wow. staying away from this guy back-to-back 70 point seasons playing in that top six with guys like jack hughes why was everyone leaving him on the board nick i'll start with you i'll be honest i am skeptical beyond belief about the new jersey devils maybe another hot take I think it's tough going from the hunted to the hunter, if that makes sense. Nobody was really thinking about New Jersey going into last season. Now they're, they're sort of the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I think a lot of people would agree they've had a strong offseason. And on top of that, there's only one puck to go around. So until I see the deployment and the line assignments, I I'm fading on a bunch of those guys. Like Jesper Bratz is another guy. I think caught in the crosshairs of so much ammo up front, Pete. I think you look at that top nine for New Jersey, it is stacked beyond belief. Right. And look at the wings on the team alone ahead of them, right? Meyer yeah. to Foley and Mercer. I know Mercer plays a little bit of both, but he's probably going to be on the wing if he fits into that loaded top six with Hughes and he sure Chris being the centerman. So yeah, it's maybe one of those things, I guess, right. Yes. For Bratz, one of those guys, that's like a perennial underestimated bargain yeah. type guy continues to prove himself and people just pass on him. So that's, you know, one of those guys you could always get some good value on uh, in drafts. Like he's not getting the flair and the attention of Tage Thompson. And he hasn't had that same level of production, but he has had consecutive breakout seasons, Chris. Yeah. Anna's right to bring up the devils. I mean, I'm, I'm more leaning on the New Jersey side with Anna than, than Nick. I think that they're going to be a, a very potent team offensively. And I think that power play is going to be lethal pass first guy for me. And I think where you got him, good value. Um, linked to a really good top six. I wonder his role. Like last year, he had a, a PP1 role. Now this year, full season here in the offseason with Timo Meyer, who is arguably one of the better snipers in the league, got to be on first power play. Tyler Toffoli, same same deal, right? What this guy can bring to the table, the experience he has, he's going to be on that first power play. There's another shooter. Then you have Hughes. Then you got the other Hughes, most likely Hamilton. So where does he fit in? He's on that second power play, most likely with Mercer. It's still a good power play, maybe better than <laughs> 10 teams across the league's first unit. But I think that's where I was a little hesitant to draft him, but still really good value because you are getting a guy outside the top 100 picks uh, linked to a top five offense. 
Look, I, I don't want the Devils and potentially their mascot, their Twitter account, and everybody else coming after me. I think they're an excellent team. I think we we learned a lot from the New York Rangers last year. A lot of cooks in that kitchen. Chemistry is a big-time thing in this day and age. Pete, let's talk about potential steals. I think this is always a riveting conversation when it comes to fantasy drafts in general. I'm sure a lot of people are having that debate right now when it comes to fantasy football. We're surely going to have it when it comes to hockey. Some names that stuck out. We talked about Ovechkin to Anna. I got Braden Point at 28. Meany got Meyer at 40. You got Hedman at 52. Uh, JT Miller at 57, I thought was a steal of a pick considering we did a couple years ago. Anna got Sebastian Ajo at 59. Um, I, I took a flyer on Johnny Goodrow and, and Jonathan Huberto where I got them. I was happy with that. I liked your Josh Morrissey pick too as well, Pete. Right. Morrissey, even if some guys are more guys are traded around him in Winnipeg, you know, Dubois is off to LA and we'll get to the Kings fantasy outlook a little bit later. But yeah, you know, I think you, you kind of look at those type of situations and, and guys, I really like from LA. I like Fiala. I thought I reached for him a little bit, but guy was better than a point per game last season without Dubois. So maybe he gets a benefit there. And in terms of bargains, I always look at those young defensemen, those breakout candidates that have somebody standing in their way. All it would take is one injury for Bowen Byram to explode one injury for Owen power to uh, reach his ceiling as early as this season. Right. And then you go uh, deeper down the line, Jake Sanderson, same deal. He's like competing for time right now with Shabbat and, and um, Chikrin, but uh, you, we all know what his potential is going to be here and now and also down the road. So, you know, I kind of look at that. And Luke Hughes was another guy I took. Like, don't hesitate. If you miss out on a Dougie Hamilton, pencil the backup or the number two defenseman uh, with serious power play potential because that could really work out for you. When I look at steals, I'm really impressed when someone gets a player on a solid team, a consistent team that people are, are a little bit cautious of. And someone Nick drafted very, very late that impressed me was Martin Natchez of the Carolina Hurricanes went 117. And he was a fringe top 75 player in our rankings heading into the season. Had the most points on the Canes last year, more than Sebastian Ajo. Granted, he did play more games than Ajo, but still breakout season for this guy in Carolina's top six on this really solid team and nick was the one who took the gamble on him because he was still staying on the board all the way till round 10 so got to give you a little bit of a shout out there because i think that's a really good draft pick well bob bender producer extraordinary clip that please and we'll play that in a couple months but i think the concern in general in fantasy hockey with with carolina is there's so much depth and they're not afraid to roll their for their fourth line or their first line um, you know, they bring in Michael Bunting into the fold. Martin Natchez is a guy like I was having this conversation with a friend the other day who who likes the Canes. Like, who's going to be their leading scorer? You could make a case for like three or four or five different players on that roster who could be the leading scorer. And don't even get me started on the back end. Like, who runs the first power play unit now with Tony D'Angelo back in the mix? So that was my reasoning, Pete. I don't know if, uh, you know, you feel a bit differently about Carolina, how to attack them in fantasy hockey. Right. And we got a fan question powered by our good friends over at Skip, Dylan Cousins or Martin Nietzsche. I think you get better value for Dylan Cousins, assuming he's going to be the fifth guy on that potent power play. You know, yeah. I guess Nietzsche, uh, you know, he's going to be on first power play, you would assume. But remember, like with Svechnikov back and they had Stefan Nason up there, like the spots may not be up for grabs and you could see him he's had some career inconsistency so based on where they're getting drafted i'd probably rather get a piece of the sabers and not as safe of a team mind you but um, just a team that i think could exceed expectations this year whereas it's a loaded kitchen like you said in carolina 
Yeah. Pete, are the Sabres going to win the cup? You think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> not, this this that way. <laughs> not this year, but maybe in two <laughs> or three years. Uh, don't be surprised if you see teams like Buffalo and Ottawa two, three years from now at the top of the Atlantic and teams like Boston and Tampa and, you know, on the downward trajectory. I'm going to be in retirement when that happens. I'll be 68 years old and the Buffalo Sabres <laughs> will finally make the playoffs and all those other teams will be. I, I just can't buy. I'm sorry, guys. Like I'm trying so hard. Uh, I'll try my best to steer the conversation because I think a, a fascinating team, too, and I noticed in our draft, it's so crazy how quickly things can change in 365 days or around that. Like the Calgary Flames means and, and the optimism surrounding that team in fantasy hockey going into last year. It's so different this year. Like people are sort of worried and afraid. Like even Jacob Markstrom to an extent, if he falls to me at like 160, 170, why not? This guy gets paid a lot of money. He's proven it in the past. He's been one of the better goalies in the league. I would take a flyer on some of these 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 Calgary Flames. I think honestly you'll find a lot of value and of course a new head coach in Ryan Huska. Yeah, I'm excited about a new head coach because it clearly didn't work oh. last year. I mean, Huberto's <laughs> playing on the wrong side. He's on the third line. He's, you know, he's not playing nearly as much as I think he was like almost three fewer minutes at one point yeah. last season than he had in Florida with Calgary. So I'm excited about the new change. You mentioned guys on contracts. So, you know, maybe that plays into a little bit. This still was a really good defensive squad. Was that all setter? I don't think so. I mean, the personnel was there. I mean, this was a team inside the top five in terms of eliminating high danger chances and scoring chances uh, at five and five per 60. They just didn't get the goaltending. Markstrom was a great value. I mean, this is a guy who was going as a top 10 goalie consistently last year. I'm seeing him. We took what in the 17th round, Pete, you took him. That That is yeah. I, off the top of my head, outside the top 20 at the goalie position. So I think really good value there. I, I still like, um, you know, Anderson as a defenseman who can move up and down. I took Hannafin with like, I think the last pick of the draft is like my fourth defenseman touches a lot of categories there. You know, there's definitely going to be value on Huberto. There's going to be value on Lindholm. There's going to be value on Kadri. I mean, nobody really wants these guys because they see what's happening in Calgary. There's reports that they don't even want to play in Calgary, but I think, you know, you just let the draft ball to you. There's still, these are still good players with high ceilings. And I thought those were those were really good picks. Guys, I actually had a dream about the Calgary Flames like two uh -oh. nights ago, which is how you know the hockey season's just around the corner. It was not a good dream. When I'm looking at the West, uh -oh. fading the Calgary Flames, fading the San Jose Sharks, I feel like there's way more exciting teams out there. And even if there are teams you don't believe in, I don't believe in the Vancouver Canucks this year, but when I'm looking at drafting their guys in fantasy, they have more upside for me than the Calgary Flames do. I feel like Quinn Hughes is incredibly underrated. He's the long-forgotten Hughes brother right now. Jack and Luke are getting all of the love in the NHL and then Pedersen phenomenal player I think he's still underrated for as good as he is Kuzmenko I'm so excited to see him again this year I think he's a great pickup especially if you want goals as Meany said earlier and then you talked about getting JT Miller where you did so why would you go for the Calgary Flames when there are options like Arizona or Vancouver that people are seriously overlooking yeah because I don't I don't think teams like I mean Teams can be crap, but be beneficial in fantasy hockey, if that makes sense, right? Like, I, I just think the fall from grace from Calgary was just so unrealistic considering where they were two seasons ago that I think they're going to be back sort of in that conversation for a playoff spot at the very least. Like, they have some good players on that roster, and it's all about defense. Like, that's my concern with Vancouver and stuff like that. But I tend to agree with you. I, I think if there's a team you're going to pick apart in terms of fantasy value, Pete, it, it, it has to be the Vancouver Canucks because there's so many guys specifically in that top six who can score. Whereas Calgary, like, I really don't know what I'm going to get from Ryan Huskud. Like, I know it's going to be a bit of a different system. 
Sutter's gone. I know there's some players on that roster that have done it before, but again, no good row, no Kachuk, and like, what kind of Huberdeau are you going to get this season? Right. I mean, the Flames are a safer team than Vancouver, yep. a safer team than Arizona, but like Arizona's got a little flash and pizzazz to them right now that I like. And I thought it was funny, like what other pass mock draft, Chris, have we ever seen multiple Arizona stacks? I did a little high-end one with Cooley and Keller. Um, Anna did Barrett Hayton and Michelli really late. Uh, that's a second line stack that could reap some rewards. And I even took Carol Vimelka at the end uh, as a workhorse goalie. Had 50 games played last year and the team's a lot better. If he gets you a 9-10 or a 9-15, that team can make the playoffs. My hot take of this preseason before it gets underway is the the Arizona Coyotes are going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. What? The Arizona Coyotes are going to sneak their way into the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. No one's going to expect it. They might be the last seed in, but this team has such a high upside. Granted, they also have a low floor, but such a high upside. So many dynamic young players, they're going to get their way in. I hope you're right. They have Sean Dersey as what their number one defenseman. Like they're a work in progress. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm excited about Keller and Logan Cooley and Barrett Hayton took a huge step last year. Like there's yeah, some good did. pieces on that roster, but I hope you're right. Anna. that'd be the, the, the most amazing take I've ever heard this quickly for Arizona to get back into relevancy. But I think if there's one thing, Chris, we learned last year is like, don't shy away from drafting coyotes and taking coyotes and picking up on waivers guys on the on the coyotes because they actually give a lot of fantasy value and like they were a big time sleeper last year in general they were and they were actually one of the better teams maybe that's plays into anna's take here there you go down the stretch of the season they were a team that they weren't a pushover they were at over 500 that top line was fantastic i mean hayton you mentioned was was unbelievable it, few years you know there a couple years ago we we're talking about this guy being a, a sleeper and a, and a breakout player it just took a little bit of time for him there was certainly some chemistry next to keller who may be one of the most underrated players in the entire league over 80 points nobody ever seems to want to draft him he's always cheap you know on DraftKings and FanDuel. uh so he's a really good player you bring in you know some veteran pieces like zucker I agree with you. I think they have an issue on the blue line. Um, Jersey <laughs> is a guy that I definitely like from a fantasy standpoint. He's going to be given the opportunity. He was behind Doughty all those years when Doughty yeah. was hurt. We saw a little bit of his upside, his ceiling. He loves to shoot the puck. He's a great skater. He's not that great in his own end, but he's going to be given all the opportunity here for a free wheel. And he's going to touch career highs across the board. I think he's a, I think he's a really strong target. And I love Logan Cooley as a, a nice little flyer in the middle to late rounds as well. And if you're listening to this and saying like, these guys are crazy taking these, taking a chance on some of these perennial bad teams like Arizona, like the other option is you could get a good value. One of my favorite value picks of the draft was when I took Brandon Hagel at like 160 guy just signed an eight-year extension to pretty much solidify his place next to Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point. He got really overlooked in this draft after 64 points, a career high uh, for Tampa. So sometimes, you know, you get caught up in these Buffaloes and Arizonas like I did, but you could also just side with the better team and make the safer pick like that. I like it. And lastly, I want to touch on some potential busts. Like this is always a unique conversation to have every year because we all know it. There's always that one player on our fantasy roster, like Chris mentioned it, Brad Marchand. You're looking for that value. You're looking, you're looking, you're waiting, you're waiting. It just never transpires. So right away, a name that sticks out to me more so on his ADP, 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like I know we talked about the Edmonton Oilers, Pete, but in my world, in my sick and sadistic world, there's no way Nugent Hopkins does the same thing this year. Guys like that, who are some bust, you know, guys that come to mind for you, Pete? Well, I mean, the, the one that comes to mind the most is the one I mentioned earlier, Allmark, uh, yeah. drafting him in the top 50 overall after the Bruins are poised to maybe make a drop by 15 or 20 wins compared to last year. Vezina Trophy winner turned 1B goalie. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen if the Bruins aren't getting the Ws and if Swayman's playing better than him, right? Look, uh, lat- what, two postseasons ago, they switched mm-hmm. from Allmark to Swayman without thinking twice. They played Jeremy Swayman Swayman in game seven with their lives on the line. He didn't win the game, but he got them to overtime. He played pretty well in the game. I thought it was telling that they were so quick to make that switch. They they lost a lot of guys this offseason. They're going to go with the guy that has the hot hand at any point this season, right, Anna? Yeah, they are. And that's why I was happy that I got to pick up Swayman just in case that he takes over the reins. That was a little bit of my goalie strategy this entire draft. I took Schmid from the uh, New Jersey Devils as well in case Vanacek messes up in the crease and all of a sudden it's Schmid's team to lose. But in terms of draft possible busts, I feel like we were all on the same page with this one particular team where we were so cautious drafting them in anticipation of them disappointing us. Keep in mind, none of us were actually talking when we were making this draft. I was just analyzing what everyone else was thinking by the picks that were made. And that's the Vegas Golden Knights. So I took Jack Eichel 42nd. He was on the board for quite some time. I was like, everyone's feeling a little bit cautious about him has his concerns with injuries. Is this too high? Could I have gotten him later? Honestly, probably. I took a flyer. They won the Stanley Cup. They deserve some credit. Mark Stone was on this board for ages, for years, it felt like, because everyone was so cautious around him. And then the list goes on and on. Why are we so worried about drafting Vegas Golden Knights players this year, guys? Are we predicting that they are going to be busts? I think Marshall saw one to touch early, uh, sixth round. This guy was on a lot of waiver wires uh, halfway through last season. He had a down year of uh, it's he had an unbelievable playoff run, clearly. And he mm-hmm. was, you know, the Conn Smythe winner. He was he was fantastic. And I think that plays into a little bit of it. But you know, he went ahead of Alex DeBrincat, uh, Cole Caulfield, Philip Forsberg, Adrian Kempe. These are all like 40 goal scorers, uh, in my opinion. I think all of them can touch 40 goals. Uh, Carter Rahagi in the ninth round, uh, you know, I would rather than, than Marcia. So as well. So I like the Eichel pick. I think it was fine. I agree with you, Anna. He just like, he was on the board forever stone. I wouldn't touch. Uh, there's nothing against him. It's just, uh, it's been year after year after year. I know he's coming off the injury, but it's been back issues for him. Does Vegas just play it cool and put him on long-term IR again. And then, you know, have him when, when the season does matter. So I think even though the cost wasn't too high, Pete, I think that's one that I just would, I would avoid. I would take some upside a little bit later than that, but I don't think there was a bad pick in the first four rounds. Like I don't think maybe Marshan is a guy that won't return value, but he still has the pedigree. And I don't think any of us would be shocked if he, you know, he turned out like a 60, 75 point season, but I don't think there was a bad pick really um, in terms of bust in the first few rounds. It just Marshan or Marsh. So is a touch early. I think. I worry, I guess, taking Connor Bedard where I did uh, for his first season. I mean, the guy's going to be an absolute stud, top five player and keeper in dynasty leagues without a doubt, a shadow of a doubt. But for this upcoming season, like I took him at 30. I'm a little worried about what the floor could be for that Chicago team and all the stacking out there. 
you know, you're reluctant to pair him with a Seth Jones or a Taylor Hall or a Lucas Reichel didn't get drafted at all in this mock draft. And it's telling about the state of the Blackhawks guys, right? Like they're one of still one of the worst teams. If you take Bedard away in terms of supporting casts. And I just wonder, could the state of that team bring him down a little bit this season? It's, it's a possibility and you got to live and die with that pick. If you're going to reach for Bedard. You know what, Pete, I would say for context, like you did pretty well. I, I actually searched it on Yahoo. And by a reminder, you can go do your drafts right now over at Yahoo. But the average ADP as we have this conversation, 40.3 when it comes to Connor Bedard, you took about 30. So like it's around sort of that mark where you start to have that conversation. And Chris, last word to you before we wrap here about Chicago and Connor Bedard. I don't know about you, man. I am so excited to see what this kid has in this league. Oh, me too. I think he's going to be a heck of a player. And Pete alluded to it, right? He's a guy that you want to, you got to pick in the top five, a keeper in dynasty leagues. But I, I wonder if, if I'm projecting for him, I'd say 25 goals, 65 points. I mean, that's still a really good season from him, but he doesn't have the same supporting cast as, you know, Crosby when he came into the league. You got a Taylor Hall. We're hoping that Taylor Hall uh, is healthy and playing all year. Who else is like, I like Reichel as a young player, but this is, this is a team with a lot of holes. They're going to live in their own end quite a bit. Underdog fantasy. Uh, his ADP is even higher than that. He is going ahead of Braden point, Rupe hints, um, Jack Eichel, Sebastian Ajo. That's a, that's a touch high. Uh, it's a little high. I'm fine with just letting somebody take him in the third round and redraft leagues and, and living with him. I saw a cheeky smile from producer Bob. We got a bit of a bet. I like, I like Bedard North of 70 points this season. Bob's not a believer in Connor Bedard and he's going to figure out that he was really, really wrong <laughs> in that mentality. But you know, what's not wrong means having you on this podcast and doing a mock draft with you before we let you go. FTN network, you guys are thriving. Let's talk some dangle bet selling. What's upcoming this season for you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Eric and I are going to get together soon in a couple weeks. Once football kicks off here, we got uh, some rankings and busts and sleepers and all that stuff uh, early next week over at FTMFantasy.com. All free rankings there, strategy pieces, high stakes. I know I've been referencing a lot on this show for for high stakes leagues and underdog fantasy. So we're going to take care of all those users out there. And yeah, Dangle Betselio will be back twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays over at FTN Network and Game Plus Network. We do appreciate the uh, the plug and a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I didn't get to talk about Wyatt Johnson. I had him down here. Fifteenth round, Wyatt Johnson. I think that was a pretty good story for another day. Means thanks for this, bud. That's right. As per usual, great stuff from Chris Meany there. Yahoo drafts. Make sure to go check it out. Some fantastic stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks as we draft our fantasy rosters. Next thing you know, the NHL season's going to be here. And you know what's also going to be here, Anna? The YouTube Fantasy Draft Special. I schooled you all last September. Well, I'm going to do it again here this September. <laughs> That absolutely did not happen, but y'all <laughs> got to hear us talk about our first mock draft today on this episode. Yeah. And now you're going to see us actually draft our teams. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to be in the same room as Nick, but September 26th, more information to come. I still need a fantasy team name for this. So if you guys have any suggestions, please tweet it at NHL Fantasy. I need some serious help. Looking forward to being a part of it for sure. And also wanted to remind all the NHL fans out there, check out NHL Backstory, how the Disney movie inspired the Mighty Ducks franchise in the NHL. Uh, really good listen with our good friend Arda Ocal from ESPN. And he's actually going to be a part of the YouTube mock draft that we're going to be doing on September 26th. So stay tuned for that and check out the other podcast as well. And 
um, yeah, that YouTube draft is always never a dull moment on there, especially right with uh, our friend Johnny Lazarus being a part of it. You never know what <laughs> crazy pick he's going to take. I have to find a way to one up my uh, fantasy team name from last year. So I'll work on that, guys. We'll leave it at that. Uh, many thanks to Chris Meany for stopping by today in Mock Draft 1.0. For Pete Jensen, Anna Dua, producer Bob Bender, I'm Nick Alberga. You've been listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice, delivered by Skip, the official food delivery app of the NHL.